Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. We've been in this series the past few weeks, starting off this year, on the subject of the body, the mind, and the spirit. And I believe all three of these are connected. They're different aspects of who we are, but they should not be fractured from each other. They shouldn't be broken. They should be whole, integrated, and healthy. And I think for you to have a healthy life, you're going to need to have all three aspects of these things operating in a healthy manner in your life. So last week we talked about the body, and, and uh, I, I thought that was a, you know, a great intro into the, the series. But today... I want to speak to you about your mind. The subject title of my sermon today is Make Up Your Mind. Make Up Your Mind. Let's begin in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says this. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Set your mind on things that are above. Today I want to talk about your mind set. Set your mind. You know you have power over your thoughts. You have a measure of control over the way that you're going to think uh, in a certain way. In fact, your thoughts can be set in a direction. They can be settled. You do not have to be disorganized, distracted, chaotic in your mind. But your mind can be set. It can be healthy and it can be whole. And here Paul is saying, this is where you need to set them on things that are above. He's speaking about heavenly things. He's speaking about eternal things. And today, I, wanna, I want to propose this truth to you that your mind was made to be made up. Your mind was made to be made up. Not distracted, not confused, not divided, not chaotic. No, God designed for you to have a strong mind, a healthy mind, a set mind in the name of Jesus. And when I say made up, up as in your mind was made that it should be set on eternal heavenly things. Made up as in settled, um, functional, forthright, and strong, not divided, not uh, dis- having discord in it, but that it would be that it is made to be made up and set upon the things of God. But the truth is that there is a war for your mind. There is a war for your mind, and this is not a new war. This war is as ancient as Earth and humanity is. In the very beginning, in the garden, the war for the mind of mankind began. Remember, God said, do not touch of the fruit in, of the tree in the garden because then you will, then you will be, you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. It's not that they weren't capable of good and evil. They just didn't know it yet. They, they hadn't experienced it yet. It hadn't touched their mind yet. So their mind was in utopia. Their mind was in bliss. But God said, do not, do not, do not, uh, Move towards this action or it will begin to affect your mind. And do you remember what, how it described the serpent? The serpent was crafty. It was deceitful. What did it do? It deceived the mind of Eve. It deceived the mind of Adam. This is the war. 
God says, I've got a plan for your mind. And the enemy says, I've got a plan for your mind. One is that it's healthy and whole and, and settled. One, that it would be corrupted in no sin. This is the war that's been waging for your mind, your children's mind from the very beginning of time. And today, it seems that the war for our mind has been accelerated. It's become global. It's been kicked up another level. Is it not true? And anyone with spiritual discernment can tell that my mind is under assault. If you, if you are in church, which you are, and you are moving towards health, and you still have hope, and you still have joy in, a, in, in the circumstances you have found yourself in the last two years, you got to thank God, because he has kept your mind. He has kept your mind. He has put a hedge of protection around your mind because there is a war for your mind. And I want to I help you know and, and, and clarify some of the battlegrounds, the primary battlegrounds for the war for our minds right now. The first is with big tech, with technology, with social media and software. We live in something like a dystopia right now where people are unplugging from reality and plugging into a false reality. And big tech right now is searching for new ways to keep your mind on a cycle of dopamine addiction that you will never get out of, that you will endlessly scroll so that they can monetize your mind. They can monetize and market and move your mind towards their products, sell your thoughts as data, so that they can make money off of you. I know it sounds like, it sounds like we're living in, in some, some dystopian apocalyptic novel, but this is, this is a battleground. And you gotta know, no, I, I'm in charge. I have sovereign authority over my mind and what it does, and I'm not gonna unplug from the world and plug into a false reality. I want my mind to be whole. Another primary battleground that you have right now is the, the battleground of, um, well, there, there's, there's two. The, the first one I want to speak on is the battleground of entertainment. Entertainment is trying to shape your mind. It is filled with good preachers, great storytellers, and a narrative that is trying to move your mind. And make no mistake, they are trying to build Babylon, not the promised land. We will make a monument unto ourselves, where the self is God, where the mind is God, where pleasure is the ultimate goal. Instead of a mind that's healthy, a mind that's corrupted is a thing that's venerated in our television shows and in our, our movies. And their, their goal is to get you to unplug from who you are, unplug from those around you, and plug in, tune, to, to tune out and then tune in to what they're providing and and keep you in as long as possible. You ever get that warning? Are you still watching? <laughs> yes, I'm still watching. And I don't want your judgment right now. The goal is to keep you locked in to capture your mind. And politics right now has obsessed the mind of America, obsessed the mind of humanity. And, and many of the big think tanks and many of the parties right now wants domination over your mind. It will use fear. It will use lockdowns. It will use data to keep you compliant and passive and divided. Because a united nation is not actually the goal. There's no power in that. 
So, so there are these forces that are moving through these people. I'm not saying they're necessarily evil people, but the enemy is using these institutions, using these battlegrounds to capture the mind of, of people and move the mind where he wants it, which is in a passive state, which is in a divided, broken state. The reality is this. Everyone wants a piece of your mind, but no one cares if you have peace of mind. But here's God's promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God's promise is that you would have a peace of mind. But you're going to have to win the conflict. And the conflict is for your mindset. And the question is, will your mindset be earthly or will it be eternal? Will your mindset be earthly? Earthly mindsets lead to small-mindedness. Earthly mindsets lead to having a poverty mind mindset. Earthly mindset leads to having a dirty mind. Earthly mindsets degenerates the mind. Or will you have an eternal mindset? And having an eternal mindset brings you through a process of renewal. And that process leads to a healthy mind, a whole mind, and a faith-filled mind. I pray that you can still hope. I pray that you have excitement for the future. I pray that you still have vision. I pray that you're still a problem solver. I pray that you have critical thinking. Why? Because you have an eternal mindset. The reality is this. If the enemy can keep you consumed with lesser things, he can cause you to become less. But if God can get you to elevate your mind, to transcend the earth and go into the eternal, to think on eternal things, to hope for eternal things, to commune with an eternal God, your mind will be awakened. Look at what C.S. Lewis has to say about this. He says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for this present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world, that they have become so ineffective in this one. The reality is this. If the enemy can get you to be consumed with lesser things, earthly things, temporary things, then he can end up making your life matter and affect less. But the good news is this, that Jesus came to bring salvation to your mind, your thoughts and your patterns, and I believe that you can acquire a healthy, eternal mindset. So I want to give you a couple thoughts on how to acquire a healthy, eternal mindset. The first thing you need to do is you need to decide how to think. Do you know you have the ability to think about your own thoughts? You have the ability to contemplate the way you think. This is an amazing ability that we have. To reflect. Have you ever thought to yourself, why did I just think that? <laughs> Have you ever found yourself in that situation? What? Who would even think about something like that? You have the ability to think about what you think. You can decide. You can set your thoughts in a certain direction. And I would propose to you that if you want to have an eternal mindset, you have to make some decisions right now on how you're going to think. Because if not, in the moment, what is natural, instinctual, or flesh, that will be what will guide the patterns of your thinking. 
So you have to come over here first. You've got to come to the word. You've got to come to the spirit of God, and you need to make a decision with God. This is how I'm going to think, because how you think is how you'll act. Let me put it simply. Thoughts become reality. Thoughts, given enough time, become reality. So Paul says in Romans 12, too, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Sorry, I lost my place in my notes there for a second. I blame the fasting. <laughs> what I love about this is that Paul gives us, I, I would say, a process through which we should think. And, and first it gives us the admonition, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. In other words, he's saying don't be peer pressured. Don't, don't be moved in that direction. Don't, don't let yourself be formless and therefore be formed to whatever is around you. Don't, don't look like, act like, speak like, think like the world. Well, hold on. This is going to make you stand out. This is going to make you maybe a loner in life, it may seem. This might make you uh, uh, not find that much community outside the community of church. Paul says, so be it. But whatever you do, don't end up looking like those who are perishing. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Instead, be transformed. So here it is. Don't go lesser, go greater. Don't be devolved, be elevated. What is he saying? He's saying your mind was meant to transcend. It was supposed to be set on things above. Set your mind on things above, that by testing you may discern God's will for you. So, so what, what I'm speaking about today is Christ-centered critical thinking. Because you're going to need some Christ-centered critical thinking because you are going to make some critical decisions in life. And these decisions you are going to have to make on your own. They cannot be, they cannot be uh, crowdsourced from the world. They're going to have to come from you and God. And I want to give you four quick steps that I see in Romans 12 that, uh, that I think will help you make some Christ-centered critical, think, uh, critical uh, decisions in, in life. The first is that you're going to have to reject culture. Second is that you're going to have to receive the word. The third is that you're going to be able to test and discern. And the fourth is that the Holy Spirit will confirm. This is how you need to filter your thoughts in decision making is that first you cannot make the decision based on those around you second you got to come to the word of God his instructions to be renewed and allow him to uh, guard your thoughts on this and then you'll be able to test and discern because you have a spirit and God is your guide and he wants to move you towards wise decisions that you can build a life on I was speaking to a friend recently, and, and he's been coming to this church for many years, but he recently went to college, and he's trying to find a good church out where he is. And, and so I gave him some suggestions, one church I knew out there, and, uh, and so he said he's going to check it out. But he called me recently and said, hey, I, I was planning on going to the church that you talked to me about. The problem here is on this college campus that I'm at, everybody has negative things to say about this church. It's kind of, kind of cool to uh, dislike this pastor, uh, primarily, uh, my opinion, primarily because uh, what he preaches is, is uh, very truthful and, and it's values, you know, I, I, think, I think they wouldn't like me either, you know, so it's like, mm, I'm a little biased, you know, so, uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm preaching the word of God, you know, talking about Jesus. So, so, so he said, well, I don't know if, if I should go. And, and, and I read him this verse. Don't be conformed to what everyone else is around you, doing around you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why don't you go and use your discernment? I mean, you get the spirit of God. You get the Holy Spirit. Go, be in worship, hear the word, test the spirit. Test the spirit of the worship. Test the spirit of the preacher. Check the word by the word. I'm not saying for you to just take my word for it. Here's the scriptures. Here's the references. Go read. Go dig. Because you're going to have to make up your own mind. And you're going to have to choose one of these um, critical decisions for your whole life, which is what church am I going to be a part of for a significant aspect of, my, of your life? And I was warning him, don't, uh, don't allow the opinions of people who have no faith define your faith. Come on, you got your own mind. You got your own mind. I got to warn you, though, critical thinking requires courage, especially in this day and age. Critical thinking will lead you to truth, and truth is usually a lonely place. So critical thinking will require courage. It will require effort. It will require you to uh, find and stand on convictions. Look at this quote from Martin Luther King Jr. He says, rarely do we find men who willingly engage in hard, solid thinking. There is an almost universal quest for easy answers and half-baked solutions. Nothing pains some people more than having to think. And we celebrate his legacy this weekend, a prophet to our nation. And here was a man that got the mind of God, was unafraid to think critically. And what did he do? He changed the mind of a nation. In order for you to follow God's will for your life, you're going to have to get God's mind over the opinion of everyone else. You're going to have to learn how to decide how to think for yourself. Set your minds. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, set your minds. Turn to your other neighbor and say, set your mind. How to have an eternal mindset? You have to make up your mindset. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you had to make difficult decisions? Maybe it was a large purchase. Maybe it was who you're going to marry, you know. <laughs> Maybe it was something really difficult like ordering something at a restaurant you've never been to before. Have you ever found yourself in this situation where you're unsure what's good here, you know, and you're scrolling on Yelp, looking at all the photos. Is that you? Scrolling on Yelp, looking at all, seeing how far back they took this photo. Is this professionally lit? Do you think they still have the same chef? You know, if you're like me, you're looking as you walk by, you're looking at everyone's. Can you, can you just tell me what, what number is that? Can you? <laughs> have you ever asked the waiter, you know, hey, what's good here? What's good? I hate that question. I, I hate going, uh, going out to eat with people that ask that question. I, I, I can't stand it. It's so embarrassing, you know. And I love the waiter's reaction. The waiter's reaction is always like shock. Like as if this is the first time anyone's ever asked him this question. You know, like, whoa, whoa. This is outside the realm of my responsibilities here. And the waiter always asks back, always, well, what do you like? It's like this, we're just, we're just caught in a cycle. <laughs> I think sometimes uh, uh, we, we approach decisions 
Uh, like that decision at the restaurant. Sometimes we approach decisions where we're unsure, so we just start trying to crowdsource the decision. We got to make some very important decisions in life, and yet here we are scrolling online, looking at other people's manicured life, trying to figure out, is this what I should do, and, and who I should marry, and how I should look, and where I should live, and what I should believe, and and, and if you're unsure there, you just ask around the table, what are you, what are you guys getting? What are you guys doing? What, 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 what do you believe? What, what do you think? Who, who are you guys, guys going to marry? <laughs> we ask an expert. You're standing up. You've got a tie. What do you think, man? You tell me what to do. I, I trust you. The reality is this. If you do not make up your mindset, you'll end up just going with the flow. You'll end up just flowing downstream. And make no mistake, the current of culture is very strong. It's very strong, but it never leads to life. The earthly mindset always leads to death. The earthly mindset always leads to less. So if you just go with the flow, I'm going to warn you, you might not like where you'll end up. You have to swim against the stream. You have to chart your own path. I want, I want to say it like this. You are called to be the pilot of your ship, not a passenger. You're called to set your direction with God, with wisdom, with wise counsel around you. You're going to have to make up your own mindset for your role is to lead. And so you have to choose what you're going to think about. Paul says this in Philippians 4, 8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What is he saying? He's saying, set some directives for your mind. Set some locations for your mind. Set, set some parameters for the areas in which you're going to think. I, I, I want to ask you today, have you made up your mind on essential mindsets? Have you made up your mind on some areas of your life that I think will be anchors that you will put down so you're not just drifting down with culture? Have you set some anchors in your life? These are essential mindsets. These are things I'm not going to give on. These are things I have convictions on. These are things that I don't care if the whole world goes this way, I'm staying right here. Have you made up your mind on some essential mindsets? One of the areas that I believe you need to make up your mind on is the, the mindset of God and church. The area of God and church. What do you believe about God? What do you believe about the nature of God? Is he creator? Is he designer? Is he the final authority in your life? Is he Lord of all? Because if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all in your life. Is he Lord of all? What do you believe about God's word? Is it inspired by God? Is it infallible truth that you will set your life on despite what the world around you says or does? What do you believe about the word of God? Have you integrated that word into your life, into your schedule? Have you given it a place of honor in your family, in your home? What do you believe about church? It's amazing to see what we've seen in these last two years. We found where we stand on church. What do you believe about church? Do you believe it's essential? 
Do you believe it's set apart? Do you believe that it is the body of Christ made by the Holy Spirit, that it is needed in your life and that you, you need others as well, that together we make up the body of Christ? Or, or do you believe it's something that is so-so, I'll get to when I can get to it? Or do you believe about God that, you know, it's a good concept out there, feel, vibe, but, you know, there are other words. What do you believe about the word? It's good, you know, it's a collection of, of good ideas, but of course there's, there's the writings of Plato and classics like Harry Potter. <laughs> you need to set your mind on these things because if you don't have your mind set on these critical areas of your life, you don't have your mourning set, make no mistake, the enemy will attack in this area to sink your life. Well, what do you, do you have an essential, you need to have essential mindset. Do you have, do you have critical thoughts on the area of singleness uh, and marriage and family? Singleness, that it would be used by God, that it's not something to be afraid of, but it's something where you can maximize and serve, that you could be secure in this season of your life. And every single person thinks this season's too long. That's singleness. Yeah. <laughs> There's no single people in here. All right, I'll move on. What about marriage? What do you believe about marriage? That it is an institution given by God at the very beginning of time between one man and one woman for life. That it is God's great design. And from a healthy marriage flows a healthy home, flows healthy children. That it, it above all else should be guarded and worked on. That you need the Holy Spirit in the home. Do you have some thoughts, some belief, a mindset on the marriage? Pastor said a couple weeks ago, there's some words we don't say in the home. We don't even bring up divorce as a threat in the height of an argument because I'm not going to open a door to my mind if I don't want to follow through with that action. What's your essential, essential mindsets? Uh, finally, I, I want to I land on this, this final one. Have you considered your mindsets on life and on liberty? Is life God-given, God-ordained, formed and knit in the womb? Is liberty given to us by God? For God made us to be free, free to worship, free to have a conscience, free to live like we believe he has called for us to live. Do you have any thoughts and are they worth defending? Are they worth standing for when the time may come? You must have these thoughts or you'll be caught in the wave of the world and brought to a place that's ungodly. Lastly, I would encourage you in gaining an eternal mindset to submit your thoughts. To submit your thoughts to God. We live in a time where the body and the mind have been venerated into the place of God. We think our thinking is the final say on any subject, even if we're kind of uninformed on the subject. The ability to admit wrong, the ability to be open is not, not what we're good at. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's just me. <laughs> but I would encourage you to take your thoughts from your God-given mind and submit them to God. Submit your thoughts to God and allow for him to bring it through a corrective process, a refining process, a renewal process. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says this. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Submit 
your thoughts to Jesus. I think that we must admit the limitations of our own thinking. And then accept God's authority over our thinking. Accept God's authority over our minds. He designed our minds. He gives us the instructions on how to use our mind. And his mind, his thoughts, his ways are greater than our ways. I was speaking to a physician this week. And we was talking about the wonder of the created world. And when you contemplate your mind, with your mind, the expansiveness of the world around you. He, says, he said it just has to leave you in awe. He says, if you consider with your mind the created world, he said the only response you could ever have is humility. And humility is the key to knowledge. Humility is the key to knowledge. Without humility, you're unable to learn anything. Only the admission that you do not know opens the path to knowing. So if God's word and my way conflict, I submit. If God's word and the world's way conflict, I submit. If God's thinking and my thinking conflict, if it conflicts with my emotions, with my desires, with my hope, my plan, my future, I submit my mind to the one that created the mind. He knows more. Even when I don't understand, I submit. Even when I doubt, I submit. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to have problems and issues and things you're working through, things you don't yet understand. It's okay to be in that place. But I would encourage you to acknowledge God's authority over you even in that place. I'm struggling, God. I'm unsure about this area. But I choose to trust you over my instincts, over my thoughts. I choose to trust your word over my own word. God says to Isaiah the prophet, he says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So when I conflict, I submit. I come in humility to God and say, God, your ways are higher. I want my mind to come up higher, so I'm going to come into alignment with you. Make no mistake, your mind was made to be made up. So my prayer is that your minds would be set on eternity, and then that will begin to affect everything else. The more you get the word of God in your mind, that is what will flow into your marriage, into your reactions, into your speech. It will flow into your job. There is no way you can read the words of the greatest leader that has ever lived and not become a leader in your workplace. There is no way you can read about an eternal God that has excellence in everything he does and not have excellence begin to be challenged in your life. There is no way you can read about a problem-solving mighty God and not become a problem-solver. When you begin to read the words of God, you begin to get the mind of God. And that begins to affect every area of your whole life. So I, I would encourage you today to rededicate yourself to getting the mind of God and allowing it to permeate your own thoughts. You know, this week I'm going to add to my Daniel fast, a media fast. 
And what I want to do is I want to consecrate my mind for the next seven days away from the noise of the world. And I, would, I want to ask you to join me in this fast. Let's start tonight. Consecrate yourself away from social media, away from television, away from video games. Give your mind to God. Detox. Reset. And see what God will say to you if you give him the space to speak. Amen? Present your minds to God for renewal. I believe that your mind was made to be made up, not divided, not broken, not fractured, not corrupted. Your mind was made to be made whole, renewed, strong, and filled with faith. And the closer we get to Jesus's way of thinking, the closer we get to a life that is worth living. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.